Hi, it's Phil Brown, and I'm here with David Whelan, and welcome to part four of our Jargon 2015 podcasts. Uh, and I would suggest you go back and listen to the rest, which would be from A to uh, Q. And now we're going to embark on the letter R. David, what do you have for the letter R? All right, Phil, we're going to get a little bit uh, into the into the dark depths. We're going to talk about routing. So you can root your phone, or in the case of uh, Apple devices, you call it jailbreaking. And what it allows you to do is to take control of the operating system. Currently, when you buy a device, uh, an Android device or a, uh, an iOS device, uh, the operating system is actually administered by uh, the operating system or the device. And so you can't make changes. You can't get down into the internal innards in the same way that in Windows you might open a command uh, prompt um, and, and then be able to type commands. Uh, it limits some of the access that you have to your own device. And so if you root your device or jailbreak it, you can uh, apply uh, additional rights, administrator rights, that allow you to get access to these other things, and in some cases to install additional software. And that's why I do it on all of my Android devices. Uh, I will root my device, and then I will apply a firewall. And I, I'll use the firewall then to block all of the incoming and outgoing uh, traffic that I don't want to have happen on my phone so that I always know which apps are communicating. Um, so from that perspective, I like having that extra control. Uh, it will invalidate your warranty in almost every case, so I don't know that I'd recommend it for everybody, but at least you know now that uh, when people talk about rooting a device or jailbreaking, really all they're doing is taking administrative control of their actual device. And, and you're also doing the letter T after, and I'm wondering if that's going to turn out to be tin foil hat. <laughs> but... Uh... But let's talk about uh, the letter S, which is mine. Uh, and uh, for the letter S, I have SMPT, S-M-T-P, which everyone uses and no one really pays much attention to. It's operating in the background of all of our emails and it's simple mail transfer protocol. Uh, it is not the part that actually determines how you receive emails and how they're displayed and so on, but it really sets up the coordinates to say, you know, this is the email you've constructed in your computer. Now send it out this particular port, send it over the Internet, and this is the destination that it's headed to. And the S really does mean simple. When I first set up my first email server, uh, it will it will send anything that it receives. And so if you don't secure it, uh, you can end up as a spamming uh, source uh, on your email server. So uh, make sure that it, 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 even if it's simple, it's not a simple assignment. Right, and I and I think we've talked about in the past. In fact, we have a a podcast about how mail email works, and we've talked about things like POP and IMAP before. So, if you're interested in POP and IMAP, you might want to listen to our podcast on uh, on how email works because we talk a little bit more about the delivery and how you actually receive and display the emails and what happens if you delete one kind and not the other kind. All right, so no tinfoil hats for T, unfortunately. I'm going to talk a little bit about two-factor. Uh, two-factor authentication is exploding in interest now, uh, in part because people are more fearful of uh, people tampering with their accounts online. <clears throat> so we're starting to see that uh, our online accounts, uh, it started with Google uh, and with a number of the online uh, uh, professional services uh, systems, uh, and now we're seeing it uh, on sites like Amazon. Uh, and what it allows you to do is to supplement your uh, e username and your password on these online sites with an additional piece of information. That additional piece of information is usually a number that is texted to you or is generated in an offline app like uh, Microsoft's Azure Authenticator or Google's Authenticator app. Uh, and so if you've got your phone or your tablet with you, uh, you just open up your device, you open up the app, 
and it will show you the code that you then need to type in. Uh, and that will assist you in logging into these sites and also slow down the ability of other people to change information about your account or to access your account uh, merely by trying to guess your username and password. And, and I know we both use uh, two-factor authentications. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is if uh, you sign in uh, to uh, your device or your, your account, rather, from a different device or from a different location, it notifies you as well by email to say, hey, you have a new login uh, from this iPhone, which has never been used before, into your account. Uh, did you do that? Yeah, it's great to have them watching for you because, again, you, you, you will get surprises sometimes uh, about which which devices are accessing it. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's a kid or some, somebody else uh, that you intended to get in there, and sometimes it isn't. Uh, one thing to keep in mind with the apps, uh, if you use the Microsoft account app, the only way to get uh, those account numbers is uh, via text. Uh, one of the nice things about the Google and the Microsoft Azure Authenticator is that it's totally offline, so you don't need to be able to get a phone signal in order to be able to get uh, your code to put it into your system. And, and since this is an alphabetical uh, jargon podcast, how is the Microsoft app spelled? Uh, Microsoft is uh, A-Z-U-R-E Authenticator. And that's a Z for the Canadians out there <laughs> listening. <laughs> All right. What do you have for you? For you, uh, I have URL. Uh, everybody talks about URLs or has heard the term URL, uh, but might not know that it stands for one of two different things. They couldn't decide. One is uh, the universal resource locator, and the other is the uniform resource locator. And it's basically the address of the web page. So when you type at the top uh, www.lsuc.com, it actually points at a particular uh, four-component series of numbers which is the uh, internet protocol address that's out there somewhere that connects your uh, URL to the actual computer that you're trying to connect with. Right. And it's uniform because if that number changes, if the Law Society got up and moved all of its servers to a, a different company, say say they left Bell, for example, and went to a different provider, uh, that, user, that URL would continue to work even though all those IP addresses had changed. Right. It's uniform and it's unique as well although there are often sub-addresses and so on, and, and each device you're using has a unique address as well. All right. Uh, for V, I've got VPN, the Virtual Private Network. VPNs are great. Uh, lawyers should use them uh, whenever they leave uh, their offices and they are using devices that have client confidential information on them. It allows you to have a protected connection over the Internet. It's like a little encrypted pipe that only you can access, uh, and between you and wherever the VPN terminates, uh, you can get uh, to other places without having to worry about people eavesdropping on you. Uh, some people will use it to get past geoblocks so that they can watch Hulu or Netflix in the U.S., uh, but it's really good for making sure that when you are doing online transactions and you're in a public place uh, that you've got a secure connection. You might also use it, uh, you can set up a VPN uh, uh, endpoint in your office so that when you're on the road, you can actually connect back to your office and have a secure connection from wherever you are back to your office. And so you don't have to worry about anybody in between. And we've talked before about clean devices and things like that. And this is a, sort of the, the perfect opportunity to use a VPN uh, because if you are on the road, quite likely you don't have anything other than a public uh, uh, network to use, whether it's a hotel Wi-Fi connection or even a, a hotel wired connection. It still would be considered to be somewhat public. Uh, and using that VPN within the public network uh, will protect your data. That's right. Or your client's data more accurately. That's the most important part. <laughs> All right. What about W? W, uh, 
I have Web 2.0. It's a term that's been, been kicking around for a very long time, uh, more than 10 years, but it's, uh, most people don't sort of know what it means. It's really sort of, it was meant to convey the next version of the internet. So the first version was being able to search for things and transmit things. Uh, Web 2.0 was really more to encompass things like blogs, texting, uh, IRC, when that was around, it's still around, I guess. Uh, but it was it was sort of that next level of the internet that that people were going to be using, um, and social networking and things like um, Facebook, uh, Yahoo, other sorts of social networking stuff. Um, that's supposedly Web 2.0. I'm not really sure where the dark web would be, whether that's 3.0 or 4.0. Uh, but that was what Web 2.0 was meant to encompass: was that next layer of the internet that people would be using. And a lot of that uh, Web 2.0 uh, used uh, the letter X. Uh, they used XML, and XML uh, was a new language that was used for web pages. Uh, that allowed a lot more flexibility in describing what was in the page. And so uh, when we talk about XML, which is our X letter, uh, it's different from HTML, which is used for most web pages, which really just allows you to t- say, well, I want the page to be blue and I want the text to be red, that sort of thing. XML allows you to describe what is inside uh, the document. And so, for example, if you were looking at an online uh, uh judge's opinion, and it listed where the counsel was for uh, that particular decision or it listed the name of the judge who had given it. Uh, in XML, you can actually mark that up in the background so that if you're using a search engine or another uh, computer tool, the computers can talk to each other and figure out that if I'm only looking for the name uh, of a person, if it appears in the counsel uh, field of that opinion, then it will only retrieve that kind of information. Um, XML has become so prevalent now that if you use any of the Microsoft products uh, since certainly 2010 um, and you are saving things as .docx or .pptx, those are all XML files and uh, they are easy to get into. You can actually save your uh, .docx or .pptx as a zip file, just change the ending from .docx to zip uh, and open it up and you can see all the files, the XML files that uh, are used by Microsoft to create your files, uh, but it is a, a standard that is now uh, appearing everywhere, not just on the web. And you can see a lot of that coding if you go up to the uh, in your browser and check out the source, right? Uh, which no one ever does, but you can see a lot of that XML <laughs> coding that's built into that web page uh, to see what's kind of hidden there, if I can put it that way. But why would you? <laughs> what do we have for why, Phil? Why uh, Yottabyte? <laughs> Y-O-T-T-A-B-Y-T-E. Um, it's unlikely you will ever run across the term Yottabyte other than it being the largest measurement possible uh, for an amount of data, which is 2 to the 80th power. Uh, you may see it someday in terms of the amount of memory available, uh, but you know, laptops have gone up more and more and more, and uh, a megabyte used to be a lot. Uh, now it's pretty common to see 5 and, and, and 10 terabyte drives uh, available. Uh, and I think eventually you'll see uh, a drive that big. One of the things to remember, of course, is the bigger the drive, the more information you have on it. And if it fails, you've lost a lot more information than you intended. And uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever see a yottabyte drive. It won't be much bigger than the, the terabyte drives in terms of size. Right. Uh, but um, the, the thing to remember is the amount of data you have on there, especially without any partitions, uh, if you have a drive failure, you're going to lose 
all of your information, which could be more than you expected. It's funny to think about, too, because if we think about a new call this year coming out of law school or a new paralegal uh, coming to the profession, uh, their entire career will be something that is stored on a hard drive where a lot of us have so, you know, a good amount stored on hard drives, but not everything. So they might actually need a single Yottabyte drive to last them their entire career. And it's, it's funny to see, uh, even, and, and I'm dating myself here, but to see how much computers have changed. I know, uh, you know, at one point the, uh, the Macintosh classic was considered to be a portable computer. Uh, and I think they weighed about 16 pounds, uh, but they did fit under an airline seat if you zip them in their little bag, but just barely. Uh, and they had a, a floppy drive. Uh, and that was pretty much it. And then, you know, we've we've lost our five and a quarter inch floppies. Uh, but even now, if you look at some of the newer machines, they're getting rid of uh, optical drives. They're getting rid of uh, even USB ports. Uh, Apple's gone to a new proprietary port uh, that they have on their machines that's, uh, that's meant to replace the USB. It's all portable, everything. <laughs> and now you have uh, the letter uh, Z uh, or the letter Z. Take your pick. And what does Z stand for? Z stands for zero day. And zero day is getting a lot of press uh, in part because I think everybody's much more aware uh, about how uh, their computers are attacked on a regular basis or, or under threat on a regular basis. A zero day is uh, short for zero day exploit. And what it means is that someone has uh, identified a problem within a software uh, application, uh, something that they can uh, use to exploit, to attack, uh, and nobody knows about it. Uh, and, and so they will save that up. Uh, it, it's been documented that gov- governments save this up for their attacks. And of course, the, uh, the criminals do it as well. Uh, and then uh, when the first attack happens, that's the zero day. That's the announcement that, oh, we've got this problem. And often a zero day, the problem with the zero day is that there isn't any patch for it. There's no fix for it. So if you, like many people, use uh, Adobe Flash, which was patched on uh, this last Tuesday, uh, it's December uh, 2015, and it had 78 patches. Uh, a lot of those were in response to uh, p- um, exploits that they had found on their own. But the zero days happen outside of that world and are, are things that uh, really are, are, are of a concern for all of us because it often means that even though we've patched and done everything we can to make sure our law firm uh, computers are up to date, uh, that these zero days suddenly put everything uh, at risk. And there's, I mean... A bunch of websites that you or your tech people should be looking at all the time to figure out, uh, you know, what's going on out there in the world. It's it's not just enough to do a virus check every day or a malware check every day. You really need to be looking at sites like Simantech and Krebs and things like that to figure out what's going on out there. Right. Yep. It's uh, it, it really is. Uh, it's making uh, using technology and practice a lot more complicated. And if you're using a computer and you're on a network, uh, you should be doing a, a tech audit every year. Uh, to see, you know, make sure your licenses are up to date, make sure your uh, software is up to date, that you've, you have all the patches for your browsers, your routers. Uh, and you mentioned recently uh, having your routers up to date uh, because they do uh, eventually become obsolete. Yep. And if you don't want to update them, then just throw them away and buy a new one. But uh, don't, definitely don't hold on to the old, the old hardware. So that is the end of our look at uh, the, our jargon, jargon podcasts for 2015. Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed them as much as we have. Uh, and thanks uh, very much, David. Thanks, Phil.